Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Molly talking about Steps 4 and 5. Hi, my name's Molly. I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober today. Um, So I believe I'm sharing on Step 4 and 5 today. Um, I was someone who had most of my drinking fueled by selfishness, dishonesty, fear, resentment, and often trauma as well. Um, I grew up with a firm belief that if you wanted something done, you do it yourself. Everything's a matter of willpower. And that um, I constantly felt like I wasn't a part of the world, but the world was happening to me. And I was just this small victim of my own life. Um, I can remember um, drinking and being alone in my room and having all the lights turned off and I would kind of hide under my doona and I'd keep bottles underneath my bed and I kind of, every now and then, I'd kind of peer out the curtain and just look into the world and I felt like that window was 10 metres of glass separating me from the outside world. I felt so so far apart from everyone else and... I remember sometimes I'd see people walking around the block with their dogs and their families and I'd feel such an amount of resentment and fear as well because I just thought, you know, how dare they flaunt this in my face? How dare they go on and live this happy life? Don't they know? Don't they understand the suffering and the pain I'm in? Like, who, who do they think they are? And then inevitably I would reach under my bed and pick up another bottle and, and scull it and just be sitting in my bed going, God, how dare they? You know, and um, I remember doing that as a 15-year-old. You know, I was, I was a daily drinker by that time and I'd already dropped out of school and my life revolved around alcohol and drugs. And, um, you know, I did my first um, I did my first detox late, a bit later on when I was 15 and um, that was the first time I tried to get sober. And what I found there was that, um, you know, I, I had the drinking and the drugs removed from me, but at the end of the day, nothing else changed. You know, I went home and I still had these resentments and I still had these really core beliefs and I was still incredibly afraid of everything. Um, and so, of course, I picked up another drink because all you'd done is taken away my coping mechanism. Now what, I was, what was I going to do with my life, you know? Um, so when I was 17, I walked to my, into my first AA meeting and... I can remember going in there and just, you know, I um, I saw the steps and I just thought, oh, look, that's you know, it's fine for you guys, but you don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand the tragedy I've had in my life and my upbringing and how can you possibly get what I've been through? Like, this isn't going to work for me. Like, I need hardcore therapy and medication. Like, I'm really sick you know, some paper and a 48 cents workbook from Coles is not going to fix me. Don't you understand? And I felt so, you know, so I had this incredible ego. Like I was so much better than everyone else in the room. Yet at the exact same time, I felt like the lowest piece of shit on earth. And I hated myself and I was absolutely miserable. Um, So, you know, some time went by and I um, very reluctantly started to do steps one, two and three and um, got up to step four and um, conveniently, you know, kept forgetting to call my sponsor around the time I started on step four and 
Then I had this experience of sitting in a meeting one day and um, I noticed across the room there was this guy there. And um, so I started, you know, talking to him after meetings and he kept running away from me, so I kept chasing him even more (laughs) and pursuing him. And um, I was so keen and he was quite scared of me because I was very full-on in my early recovery. And... um, In an attempt to try and get rid of me, he said to me, I can't go out with you because you haven't done a step four. (laughs) So I was like, right, this is easily fixed. (laughs) Stayed up till probably two o'clock that morning and did the least thorough, fearless and searching thing I've ever done in my life and just literally made a couple of notes on a piece of paper and I was so excited. I called him the next time, like, I've done my step four, when do we go out? And he was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, funnily enough, you know, it's four and a half years later, I'm actually engaged to him now. But anyway, um, you know, it was... Um, I then tried to continue on with the rest of the steps and found nothing really changed, you know, except that now I had this person next to me whose inventory, you know, I'd also have to do for him. Um, so it, it wasn't very effective for step, needless to say. Um, I continued on in my recovery and things kind of got worse. You know, I had this expectation when I came into AA that the world would have to change because I was sober. You know, everything would have to go great and nothing bad was going to happen because I wasn't picking up a drink. Surely life would be amazing. And that wasn't what I found. You know, life kept happening shit happened and I wasn't prepared for it um and it was suggested to me that these steps you know that's kind of what they're for but of course I didn't listen um I got to a point when I was two years sober where I was in an incredible amount of pain um some of that I guess tragedy that I had so often delved on from my younger years actually came to the surface and I had to deal with it Um, And it was incredibly confronting and incredibly painful. And because I had no way of dealing with this fear and this resentment and these really core beliefs and these character defects, um, they began to consume me. And it got to the point where I wouldn't leave my house, even to go to meetings. I locked the door and hid. Um, And I became so immensely unwell and unstable and fearful I couldn't even catch a train to my sponsor's house. Um, so, you know, it got, it got to a point where I was struggling so much, I had to go into a psychiatric ward and that was at two years sober. And it was such a terrifying experience to go in sober and experience everything and feel everything. And I got, you know, I can honestly say it was probably the best thing I've done in my recovery because I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go to the bottle shop I couldn't call another member. I couldn't do anything. There was no one there. So I had to develop a relationship with a higher power. It was the only person I could talk to at three o'clock in the morning. It was the only person who, at that point in my life, would listen to me. Um, So I began to seek this kind of higher direction and I established this amazing relationship. And, you know, I started to have members come in and talk to me. And, um, you know, it was... um, I got out of there and I felt incredibly hopeful. And in that way, I felt like I'd started a whole new chapter of my recovery. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I, um, 
I got a new willingness from that and I decided that it was time to do a proper inventory. Um, so with no ulterior motive, I went to my sponsor's house um, and I, I began to take inventory. And what I found in doing the columns was that I had this pattern. You know, I had this pattern of this internal fear of not being okay and, and there were all these patterns that were just, you know, I just was so obvious, but I never thought of twice about them until they were staring at me from paper. Um, so... You know, for me, that step forward process was quite confronting. Um, and it was really stuff that, you know, I didn't really have any simple resentments. I guess mine always took a lot of prayer and a lot of a lot of writing to kind of get through. Um, and they really, really, really affected me quite deeply. And what I found once I'd finished that step forward, my... My sponsor told me to go to the back of her house and just sit in the garden by myself for a while, just with God, just sit there. And um, and I came back in and um, later I took I took my step five. And what I found about taking step five was, was that I went in and I actually had all these expectations about um, the sympathy I was going to get from my sponsor. And I thought she was going to validate me and tell me, that I thought she was going to turn around and go, you know what, you have been through so much, you poor thing. No, you know what, you're, you, know, you don't need to go on with this. You, you, you know, you're fine, you just, you know, they're there. Um, and that didn't happen, you know. She turned around and she said, oh, yeah, you know, me too. Oh, yeah, I thought like that too, you know, that's all, you know. I was so shattered and I was really... Um, but what I found was that um, there was an incredible amount of freedom in knowing that and knowing that someone else had actually gone through what I'd been through. And not only that, but if she was listening to me and identifying with what I'd said, maybe she'd gone through the most rest of the program. Maybe she was well. You know, maybe she didn't have to pick up a drink. And that was amazing to me. You know, it instilled this whole new level of hope. Um, so, you know, for me, step four and five, that, you know, they really are that step four particularly is really that stock-taking stuff. And um, while there is a sense of freedom, I would say it's only the beginning, really, for me. Um, the rest of the steps is really, you know, for, for me, I, I spent a long time on one, two, three. And while that is an important foundation for my recovery, that's not really how I got well. Um, so for me, continuing on to step four as long and mm, complicated for me as it was, um, I found it to be kind of the opening for a new, a new way of recovery for me. Um, you know, so what I found after going through four, five, six, seven, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto a bit later, but... I found an incredible sense of freedom and this new life. And I guess how step four and five has impacted me today is that, um, you know, it's completely changed my way of thinking. I don't see myself as this victim anymore and I don't think I'm that special. Um, I don't think I need a separate program because I'm so tragic. And, um, you know, it doesn't... I don't. I don't live my life based on... On fear and resentment, I don't make decisions based on fear and resentment. 
And if someone really annoys me, I can pause before reacting and I can take inventory and I can do all these things and I can consult my higher power. And um, in that sense, you know, this 12-step this program for me really is a design for living. Um, so, you know, I, um, I, I found that through doing the steps, I have been able to stay sober because it hasn't just been removing alcohol from the equation and here you go, here's your new sobriety, um, because that didn't work for me. You know, my problem wasn't alcohol. I had a much deeper problem here and I needed to address that to the core and change my way of thinking to be able to stay sober long term. Um, so steps four and five are really, really getting down to that nitty gritty stuff and really changing my way of thinking to set me up to be able to stay sober for a longer amount of time. And that's worked for me so far. You know, I'm coming up to my five years in sobriety and so far that's worked really well for me. And I'm not, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say by my story is that, you know, it didn't happen straight away from me. You know, I had to, I had to go through a lot of bad experiences and for me, pain is the biggest motivator. If I get enough pain, I'll do it, but I won't until I get enough pain. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I think um, David and David's presentation was absolutely brilliant on step four and um, the worst thing I could have done with step four was overthink it. You know, it's, it's really a very simple, simple program and it's all outlined for you. Um, so, yeah, that was my, my experience with Step 4 and 5, thanks for listening. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.